Welcome to the Booty Bay Press, a goblin-run newspaper that functions for both fun and profit. Mostly for the profit. My name is Lexi. My name is Gwen. And we are the publishing team for the Booty Bay Press. Hi Gwen, how are you this week? I'm good, Lexi. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I want to apologize for the lack of show last week. How dare you, Lexi? It's all your fault. I refuse to take the blame for something that was completely out of my hands. It totally was in your hands. Oh, it was not in my hands. Yes, it was. It was not. It was too. Why don't why don't um we stop arguing like two-year-olds? And start arguing like five-year-olds? Because only one of us likes to pretend to be two years old. I'm much more grown up. I'm much better at eight. <laughs> And why don't you, because this is the way it works when I introduce the show, why don't you talk about what happened in your week, and then we can talk about my week and why there wasn't a show. Sure, because it was all your fault. What's there to talk about? Uh, well, we'll find out. Okay. Um, yeah, I've just been actually getting much more into WoW than I was last week. Um, been watching upcoming Legion beta hype, which... Gets me more interested in WoW okay. the more I look at it and stuff like that. Um, there also seems to be some sort of glitch on our guild website. I don't know exactly what happened. Um, it seems to be over now. But there are like three or four applications. At least one of them had been waiting a week. I still haven't been able to get a hold of oh, them no. online. Yeah, I feel really bad. But in the future, if um, this goes for pretty much any guild, but if something's going on... Whisper your the guild leader or someone just to see what's going on with your application. I'm really That's sorry. That's a good suggestion. Yeah. Whispering people in-game is a great way to communicate with new people. It really is. Um, but yeah, for roleplay, I ran a short event where, go where Gravestone retrieved a door of an artifact. It went way smoother than I expected. Nice. It pretty much made the people... Um, the agents really want the artifact, and um, actually, one of the new people ended up trying to take it. Oh no! Yep, but it was over in like fifteen minutes. The actual confrontation, and okay. it was between good rolls, and it was one of those weird um, events where having fewer people made it run more smoothly because you had fewer chances of screwing it up. I think that happens frequently. It was so smooth. Like, I don't know what to do with a event that smooth. <laughs> I much prefer smaller groups of people to roleplay with. Yeah, but I hadn't been built for a smaller group and it was yeah. it was it was like an hour and a half long, which for okay. Gravestone is fairly short. I know other guilds tend to run shorter events. Um, but for Gravestone that's super short. That is short for a Gravestone event. Um, and Val finished up Titan's build storyline, and apparently now we're at war with them. Thanks, Leah. How did that happen? Because, like, I thought we had not been at war with them because maybe we killed their leader and their new leadership decided to work with us instead of hating us or something. Okay, so the Titan's will had hired Gravestone to disable a device they called a megalomaniac device. Oh, yes. And it was done in several stages, and the last stage was um, this last week. And it worked. Ex 
except that then our favorite cuddly panda bear decided to go and attack the Titan's will entirely unprovoked, apparently. And this was after this had all happened, and no one else was around except for Liang and a bunch of um, Titan will people. Was that because he was angry at the way the Titan's will was enslaving all of those other people, or...? I wouldn't blame him if he was, but no, it was apparently the device had cursed him or something. Oh, And he just finally just snapped. Like, he hadn't been sleeping for, like, three weeks. Okay, so we're back at war with the Titan's will. Awesome. Yeah. I hate those guys. (laughs) This is why we can't have nice things. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, so what have you been doing other than Um, bailing on everyone? Yeah, well, so the, um... Probably first thing I should mention here is that, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the fact that my dad had hernia surgery. Um, well, he got a little bit too confident a little bit too quickly. <laughs> he was, he was recovering super, super well. Um, and, uh, decided to try to lift something. He probably didn't decide. He just, uh, tried to lift something that was heavier than what he should have been lifting. And he tore through his stitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he didn't want to drive and it was like six and I was getting out of work at like eight and he wasn't bleeding that bad. So he waited for me to get home but he actually was bleeding worse than he thought he was. Um, so he's fine. Um, we got him to the hospital. Which is why we're talking him... about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they got him stitched up and stuff again, and it's fine. <laughs> but it was stressful when I was dealing with that. But... And then um, I'm preparing to get moved and uh, trying to spend time with my dad before I move states away and stuff. So I've just been busy and your dad uh, couldn't have waited one more hour so we could have recorded oh no (laughs) (laughs) bleed quieter (laughs) yeah i suppose (laughs) it probably would have been fine um let's see other things that happened since we've been here um Mythics, which didn't happen last week because I was busy, but the week before that are going really, really well. Um, we've done them, I guess, just two times now. Yeah. And Oliver has come to rescue the day both times. Uh, she is a phenomenal tank and making up, we're getting closer to being geared appropriately for it now. Going in, um, we really weren't geared for it and we really weren't trained for it (laughs) um in the sense that i think val was um trying out the his shadow priest rotation for the first time and gaiden hadn't been doing progression since cataclysm and things like that so we started off pretty rough (laughs) this is why you start on heroics and then make your way up to mythics (laughs) Yeah, well, <laughs> look, Just we didn't do thought. that. <laughs> we might should go back to heroics, actually. Um, but 
uh, Ollie's with us, so we don't have to do that because <laughs> Oliver saves the day all the time. That's and not she's... what you should be learning from this. <laughs> of course it is. No, it's really not. <laughs> um, other things, I ran an event for the first time in about six months, Yay! two weeks ago, since the last time we recorded. It went so great, Gwen. It went fantastic. Did it? Um, yeah, you were there for it. All right. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. We, um, I introduced a fun new character, a super old, uh, Naga warlock who has a succubus that at one point was enslaved to him, but he's fallen in love with her and he's fallen in love and she's fallen in love with him. And I know you don't think demons are capable of love, but I think they are. By lore, they're not. (laughs) Is that true? I'm pretty sure it is. I'm going to have to look it up. I don't think that's accurate. Well, we can look this up later. Okay. I'm just saying they're capable of feeling all the other emotions like anger and hatred and stuff. I don't see why they wouldn't be capable of feeling love too. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. If it's lore breaking, I might go back and look at it. But I did not think it was. Oh, I was on the forums today. Mm-hmm. And I've been... um noticing that there is a discord channel discord is a website that's like a chat room with voice chat on it yeah um it gets used a lot for as a replacement for like vent or team speak and it's probably a little bit more progressive than they are in the sense that it's stable and you don't have to pay for server space and things like that it's kind of in the same world as raid call a little bit <clears throat> uh but it's cool but uh, someone has set up a Wormrest Accord Discord that's specifically designed for roleplay contacts. Oh, cool. Um, and I've been lurking there the last few days. It's not super active, but it is somewhat active. And it's full of people that RP in Warcraft, and you can go make connections there. Um, I am going to put the link for that in the show notes. So if you want to go check that out, uh, you don't have to download anything or anything like that. You can just click on the link and go. Uh, so that's there. And then I went to go see the Danish girl with my dad, Gwen. How was that? Um, mostly it was really, really good. (laughs) Was it really emotional? Uh, Um, for me it was. Well, that's what I mean. I don't know if it would have been for other people. For me, it was. Um, so that is the story of the first trans woman that um, attempted gender reassignment surgery. Um, and we're just going to talk spoilers about this. So if you want to see the Danish girl and you don't want the spoilers, then maybe fast forward for like a couple of minutes because we're just going to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> because I want to. Um, the first... The first attempt at this was not what our current um, gender reassignment process is for male to female, which is a penile inversion yeah. thing. Uh, the first attempt was to actually transplant another woman's uh, vagina and stuff into the other person that sounds terrifying yeah yeah so the character first had a uh had two surgeries the first one was where all of her uh, guy parts were cut off 
And then the second part was where all of her new girl parts were put in. (laughs) And (laughs) that doesn't work. (laughs) For all kinds of reasons that we know now. (laughs) Which is um, things like... um, A, they weren't doing any hormones with it. B, um, I'm losing my words, but when you get a transplant, a rejection, um, infection, they didn't really have good infection rules. This was back in the 1800s that they were trying this. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was late 1800s. But um, so uh, she ends up dying Mm -hmm. at the end of the story. Uh, But it was really good. Um... It suffered from two things that really kind of bugged me a little bit because they're two things that um trans that are part of the transgender uh myth that people think are part of the transgender experience and that are probably part of the transgender experience but aren't nearly as important as everyone assumes they are. Oh which is the idea that gender reassignment surgery is uh, the be-all and end-all of a trans person's journey, and that that's like the end of their story. What? Um, uh, that's sort of the myth about it. Oh, okay. Is the myth is that you know everyone wants it, and that if you're trans, that's what you want, and that's what your goals are, and that once you have that, everything is all fixed and everything. <laughs> okay then. Oh, um, and that's it's just not accurate. There's lots of trans people. Uh, a, there's lots of gender queer people that don't identify as male or female and don't have any desire to have surgery. There are other trans people that will socially transition, which is uh, living in public as the gender they want to present as, but will not have any surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people that want to go on hormones, but not do surgery. There's people that want to do top surgery and not bottom surgery. There's all kinds of different people and different stories out there. And uh, the Wow, it's like you're saying they're not all cookie cutters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so the movie fell into what a lot of uh, trans fiction does, which is that that's sort of the path to be fixed. <clears throat> the other thing it did uh, early on, and as it went forward, it got more away from this, but early on, it was all about sex. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Like, it was, um, you know, the main character uh, going to sit in a booth where he could watch a prostitute, where she could watch a prostitute. This is still why, while he was identifying mostly male, uh, but why she could go sit in a booth and watch this other prostitute and was... So this is another thing where I'm saying this isn't part of the story, because it is probably part of most people's experience, but like, there's this idea that being transgender is all, like, the only reason you're trans is because you, um, because it's a sexual thing, it's a fetish thing, and it really isn't, and the Mm -hmm. beginning of the movie kind of played into that process a little bit. Later on, they talked about social things a little bit more but i don't really think they did the social thing the justice it deserved 
Especially if it was that far in history where gender um, yes, roles were much different. Yes, they were in um, Venice, where they were still super different, but it wasn't quite mm-hmm. as... Venice was super progressive, <laughs> as far as that went. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was things like that. Um, but... I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed going to see it with my dad. I went to go see it with my dad. And so that let us have a nice conversation about it and things like that. Um, and then it led to the decision to finally do the write your character that I've wanted to do forever, which is about LGBTQI characters and things like that. Um, and then also, I just wanted to say, obviously, um, I haven't hidden the fact that I'm trans, and I may have even mentioned it on the show before. I probably have. Um, but I am probably going to start voice training here in the next few weeks as well. Um, so, um, I don't know. I just feel like that's worth mentioning. <laughs> is that because you want to do voice tra- training, or is this, does this have to do with being trans? It has to do with being trans to train my voice to a more feminine, uh, give it a more feminine sound. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just wondering. And the way you do that is by voice training. And a lot of that is kind of by, uh, most of the techniques take a lot from classical voice training. Um, but it's a Mm -hmm. little bit different too. Yeah. Um, so, okay. so, Gwen, what is the segment we're going to start uh, talking about first? We are going to start with, well, we, we're we already talking about Write Your Character, LGBTQI characters. Can you, without looking at the show notes, tell me what all of those letters stand for? Uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, Queer and intersex. Yay! I get the rainbow star. <laughs> it's a flag. Fair enough. Yeah. So um, that's exactly what it stands for. Um, when I was in clubs, so um, adding the QI to things is actually fairly recent within the last um probably three years ago or so is when i started noticing it popping up yeah um and honestly there's talk that even more letters should be added on to it um my point of view (laughs) is that maybe enough is enough and it's starting to get unwieldy this says the trans girl <laughs> especially if you want to be able to say it without sounding like you have your mouth full of marbles yeah but there are more people that want to be included here there's a lot of people that are lumped in with the phrase queer that would maybe like their own letters there um and I'm the T, right? I'm the B yeah. and the T, which have been included forever. So, like, I have a little bit of uh, original inclusion privilege here. 
check your privilege, Lex. Which I'm yeah. the last person who should be sh- should saying this, but... <laughs> but so we're going to talk about playing LGBTQI characters. Um, why you would want to do that. Things to think about when you're doing that. Maybe why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, things to consider about how to treat that. And also we're going to talk about how to be polite around other people who are doing that because there is a really big roleplay thing here that um, I really want to talk about. <laughs> um, but Gwen, why don't you start us off? I've been blabbing blah 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 all the time. It's starting to sound like the Charlie Brown teacher. So why don't you maybe tell us about um, when I would want to play a LGBTQI character. Um, I tend to play characters whose gender and sexuality tend to identify with myself. So you might want one that identifies with yourself. Actually. Um, or because this is role-playing, you might want to try fitting into someone else's shoes. Also accurate, especially if they're like size seven high heel shoes that I will never be able to fit in, despite me wishing on about a thousand stars for just that. That's when you go all Cinderella and you cut off the t- big toe. <laughs> Owie. I don't, I'm not to the self mutilation stage. Um, yeah. So. so. I actually, I very rarely play trans characters. <laughs> I write about trans characters a lot. Fair enough. Um, but I don't play them. Yeah, mine tend to be, um, tend to identify as themselves, as what they were born as. Yeah. So, um, I also tend to play that because I identify mostly on a binary scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how we go educational we want this podcast to get. <laughs> Can I say things like binary scale and just expect people will know what I mean? You might as well explain it. <laughs> All right. Well, both gender and sexuality are a spectrum. It's very important to know that they are two different spectrums, not the same spectrum. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the gender spectrum real quick. And... Uh, we have the gender binaries that society identifies with, which is male and female. Think of this like a bridge and males on the like left side of the bridge and females on the right side of the bridge or flip that around, whatever, but male one side, female other side. And, uh, then because it's a spectrum, there are people standing all over this bridge blocking traffic. (laughs) And so, you have maybe um, someone that was assigned male at birth. That's, uh, uh, you know, someone that was assumed to be male when they were born. But it turns out as they um, start exerting themselves in the real world, that maybe they identify as female. And they have permission to stand all the way over on the other side of the bridge in the female box, even though they were assigned a male at birth, and vice versa. But you also have uh, queer mm-hmm. people. Um, good examples of this. I actually probably identify 
queer and not binary, although I often have a lot of confusion around that. <laughs> but one of the th words I often use to identify myself with is demigirl. And demigirl is a phrase that identifies a person that um, identifies mostly as female, say 90% as female, but also identifies a little bit as male. And they're not standing in the female side of the bridge, but they're like... They have a toe over. Yeah, they've walked about three quarters across the bridge and then paused to check out the view. <laughs> and you also have people like demi-male, or you have people that are um, bi-gendered, which is um, that they identify as male or female on different days, and you have people that are gender fluid. That's a gender fluid identity. Uh, so you have all of those people that just don't like to pick out a spot to hang out on, but just like walking across the bridge here and hither and beyond, depending on their mood. Um, and this has been a short educational podcast about the gender spectrum. So, Lexi, what's the difference between um, gender and sexuality? Oh, sexuality is who you're identif who you're attracted to. Gender is how you identify yourself as. Okay. Yeah, that's an important thing to mention. Um, oh, I said that because I was saying that mostly when I roleplay, I play female characters that were assigned female at birth and have just been female because most of the time I identify pretty far over on that female spectrum. And most of the time, I just want to play that. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm uh, writing, writing is often a little bit more um, journaling and therapizing for me than roleplay is. And I often explore the trans story in writing. Mm -hmm. um, and occasionally in roleplay with people that are interested in exploring that story with me. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. What are some things to think about, Gwen? Don't play a trope. <laughs> there is more to your character than simply their gender and their sexuality. And there is very little that annoys me more than someone saying, my character's a lesbian or a trans something or anything like that, and then not having anything else about their character. Yeah, um, possibly stay away from playing the effeminate gay guy uh, who's just effeminate because he's gay, or the motorcycle riding lesbian who, like, just, like, that's such a society co cookie-cutter mold that ignores the realities of having a real character. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying don't roleplay a lesbian that rides a motorcycle, if that's what you want to do, but make sure that they have their own emotions and experiences and their hopes and dreams, and if you're going to do that, maybe hang a lantern on it and have the character occasionally comment on how they wish that wasn't uh, <laughs> everyone's view on them and things like that. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to talk about before I get into the thing that really needs to be addressed? Um, you go for it. 
Uh, this is another thing to mention. If you are playing a trans character and you picked out a male avatar to play as a trans woman because maybe they haven't transitioned fully and you're going for reality, or a female character that's a trans guy and hasn't transitioned yet, just keep in mind, you will be misgendered all the time. And don't take offense to it because most people aren't going to automatically see the avatar as it, most people aren't going to automatically see the avatar and assume that it's trans. Yeah, especially when you're playing a game where all of the male casters wear dresses anyways. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if I go outside in a dress, people might look at me. <laughs> Only to I'm... tell you you're pretty. Thank you. If um, I play a male avatar in WoW who is a trans girl and goes out in a dress, everyone's just going to assume they're a caster. Pretty much. Um, but so I want to talk about something here that um, I wouldn't necessarily bring up except that this is so prevalent in the roleplay community. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which are the terms Fuda and Shimo. And, um, those are actually, like, super offensive terms. And a lot of people in the RP community don't know that and use them all the time. Um, occasionally there are people that do know that and still use it, but most of the time it's just people that don't know that. And it's offensive for a couple of reasons. Um, it fetishizes real people and real situations. It creates an expectation on who trans people are and how they act. Um, I am a transsexual woman, but it is not my job to be your sex toy because of that. And, um, I realize the there are some counter arguments that people make all the time which is oh well i don't refer to people like that in real life and of course i'm fetishizing the role we're fulfilling fantasies um i'm not uh which are both things that on a logical level might make sense except that referring to us as fuda or shimel uh, is and advertising for that in roleplay would be like the same thing as saying I'm looking for a black person to roleplay with except instead of using black using the n-word or using the ch word to refer to an Asian character and it's the same thing um, it's an offensive term it's a derogatory term in real life situations they get used as derogatory terms and it's not a situation where the trans community is trying to reclaim the words. Yeah. And also remember that the person on the other side of the screen, um, especially if they are trans in real life, has probably been called that. Yes. And so you're, pro you're bringing a lot of real life into the fantasy. Yes. Um, so again, the average person, uh, most people be, and this isn't a attack on anyone. Uh, most people don't have a lot of knowledge about trans culture and identity because it's not something that gets talked about all that often. It is getting talked about more and more, which is good. 
Um, but the average person you come across that um, hasn't met a trans person, hasn't read trans literature or anything, which is probably still the average person, isn't doing this to be offensive. It's just um, Fuda especially is used as a role-playing term all the time. Like anywhere I've ever gone that has roleplay of people use throwing that term around like it's nothing. Um, if you see someone throwing around that term and if the situation is right, maybe throw them a whisper and mention it to them. If mentioning it to them is just going to cause conflict and they're not going to care, I would not suggest getting involved in that drama. Um, but if it's someone, you know, that just doesn't know and is probably going to respond pretty positively to that, then maybe mention it to them. Because the more you know, right? Yay! G.I. Joe! Um, and all of that to just say that if you're playing a character like this, um, or you're playing with a character like this, a real person's gender or sexuality doesn't define them. A character's gender and sexuality doesn't define them. In the large scale of things, it's a fairly small part of their life. Uh, mostly, sort of. Not really, but say, it's not. Eh. It's not the most important thing in their life. It's an important part of their life, but it's not the most important thing. Um, and I think that mostly wraps up my thing. Did you have other things you wanted to add either to like on a less serious note or things um i do have a question as a um someone who identifies as female and was born female yeah. um what what do you feel about people um i think it's um what do you think about cis people um role playing trans or queer or intersex. I have absolutely no problem with it. Okay, because I I have heard several people who are do have a problem with it. Um, I have zero problem with it. You run into so I have a problem with it. Um, the only reason I would ever have a problem with it is if it's a cookie cutter fetish reason for playing it. <laughs> um and. Honestly, I'm going to be totally upfront here. I don't have a problem with that if you're keeping it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but I would say, just like I would say it whenever you're going to be role-playing a character that might be controversial, I would say do a little bit of research so that you can approach your character concept tactfully and that you're not going to be offending people. Um, but I would also say that there are a lot of unique things that trans people deal with, um, and can have stories revolving around, and I don't see why cis people can't explore those. I play cis characters all the time. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I would say be respectful, but go for it. Yay! Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for it. Um, okay, do you want to introduce our next segment? Sure, our next segment is Bubbles! Yay, it's Bubbles! I named it Bubbles because I know it annoys you so much. 
It doesn't annoy me. I love bubbles. Bubbles, no, no, bubbles, 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 bub
How would you suggest you leech inspiration from the antifreeze blood of the god machine? Well, first you get an altar. It has to be a really good altar. Um, then you get a firstborn child. And... Can I ask a very important question? Yes. Why does the god machine want children? Um, because he has none of his own. Oh, so it's like a nice thing. Of course, you're killing them so he can go, so he can adopt them. Oh, why doesn't he? He's a machine. Why doesn't he just make his own little metal children? Because he likes the fleshy ones. Oh, okay, cool. Let's see. So, Gwen, um, I thought the first thing we could talk about here is the specific method of using toothpicks to pull out those nuggets of gold, those nuggets of luck we were just talking about. How how would you go about that? Um, first of all, I wouldn't use toothpicks. But um, toothpicks are the holy implement you need. They're like the holy weapons of god machine clerics. Except, okay, first of all, a toothpick versus a metal god, which is pr- incredibly powerful, toothpick's gonna break. Oh, maybe that's why the metal god has decreed those as his holy weapon. Yeah, so you should probably get something, I don't know, cold iron or something like that. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. What about a soldering iron? That might work. Or a blowtorch. I like anything that involves fire, so sure, let's try it. Sweet. That might make him sneeze. It might. I think I'd probably sneeze if I had a blowtorch lit up in my nose. Among other things, yes. That being said, he might be sneezing out luck nuggets. Oh, right. And then you collect them up from the... Ground? Or something. Space? The moon? Does the god machine live on the moon? If he lives on the moon, that means he's sneezing towards the earth. Wait, it means what? It means- oh, he's sneezing towards the Earth. Yeah. That's where all the shooting stars come exactly. from. Exactly. <laughs> New theories for meteors are all god boogies. <laughs> also, I think- God luck nuggets. <laughs> also, I think we've played on this enough. Let's move on. <laughs> move, move on. But that's what the segment is, is the god machine. Uh-huh. I mean, what else would it be? Um, might be about Deus Ex Machina. Oh, God, from the machine. Yeah, yeah, that thing. It's a plot device. Oh, wow. Yeah. I really misunderstood the segment, didn't I? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about God from the machine. Do you want to tell me a little bit about Deus Ex Machina? Do you want me to bullshit something, or do you want me to tell you what it actually is? Well, I mean, you can tell me what it actually is at this point. <laughs> okay, the it's a plot device where pretty much you are written into a corner or something like that, and it's autom- It's really, really sh- quickly solved by something by an unexpected intervention of some new event, character, ability, or object. I believe it was originally a theater term, um, because it would involve things being uh, put down from Yes, yeah, specifically theater. a Greek tragedy <clears throat> yes. device, originally. 
So, so pretty much a, um, you've written yourself into a corner and a Balrog is going and threatening your hobbits. And what do you do? You have Gandalf gain 30 levels. Right, exactly. Except I'm not sure that that part was a deus ex machina because he wasn't suddenly resolving a plot problem, right? Uh, unsolvable problem. Well, no, but he was, but he was saving the hobbits. Like the hobbits would never been able to outrun them, never be able to um, beat the Balrog at their current level. Yeah, but Gandalf was already around, and we'd already seen his power, and he wasn't an unexpected new event or character. Okay, fair enough. I don't think he is, but um, no, he was not. Um. Why would I ever want to include a Deus Ex Machina in my game? Um, bec- why not? Why wouldn't you? I mean, who wants consequences? Well, I like role-playing consequences lots of the times. In fact, I think consequences are often, like, the most interesting part of the story. Lexi, Lexi, you have a lot to learn. Besides, oh, God okay. is awesome. And why do you, do you want to do something yourself when you can watch other powerful entities do it? Because doing things myself is fun? Question mark? You really need to learn what fun is. You apparently oh. don't know. And here I thought all of my years of role-playing experience were pointing me in the right direction. I've been doing it wrong for like you have. 12 years. You have. It's a tragedy. <laughs> a Greek one, even. <laughs> I'm not Greek. You take that back. Wow. I know almost nothing about current Greek culture, so. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, real reasons to probably avoid doing this, especially in roleplay. This is a roleplaying podcast, so we're going to talk about roleplay a little bit. Um,. Using Deus Ex Machina very often, uh, using it almost ever, is super unsatisfying Yes, for almost everyone involved. It really cheapens the story. It really does. Um, that thing I said about why, uh, about doing, about wanting to do something yourself instead of watching other powerful entities do it is like a huge roleplay faux pas. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes dungeon masters, especially new ones, have these epic kind of fight scenes in their head, and occasionally those fight scenes forget maybe to include the characters. Yeah, when I was growing up, I was part of a D&D um, group that there's only one person who enjoyed role-playing, and he was a really good storyteller, but he was not a good DM, because he would always include these incredibly powerful DM PCs, and they would just be our de- deus ex machina. Like, yeah. we would never get into a problem where we would be in trouble, because that means his character also got in trouble, so there'd always be something to save the day. Yeah. Um, the thing, The time I remember it being a problem... Uh, was in, I think it was probably the first game that our friend Max had ever run, and it was a Wheel of Time game. Mm-hmm. And we were put in a situation where we had to, uh, we were running away from something, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing was too powerful for us to fight, so we were running away, and that's fine. 
Um, but then we were rescued by named plot characters, uh, that were, you know, characters in the book and they like completely solved the problem for us and we just got to watch them solve the problem for us gotcha and they came out of nowhere like we had no idea that they were going to come they just showed up and fixed everything (laughs) you don't like that no it was a problem (laughs) fair enough it brought the game to a screeching halt was I? I don't think I was there for that. I don't think you were there for. No, I, I don't, don't think you were. I don't think I even knew you guys then. That might have been. It was, as I said, it was like Max's first game okay. ever. Um, he has since run really, really good games, and that game ended up recovering for a while. He made some other first DM faux pas in it, and some uh, faux pas of playing in pre-generated setting faux pas the things that we talk about all the time which is that he included named characters all over the place um so basically the deus ex the deus ex machina he pulled would be the equivalent of having gravestone fighting a we'll call it a undead dragon a dracolich problem with dracoliches uh no do dracoliches exist in yes. Warcraft. They're not called Dracoliches, but they totally do. Cindergosa t- was one. Yeah, they totally yeah, exist. There are quite a few. So it would be like uh, Gravestone fighting that, finding out that it was crazy powerful, and then having Jaina show up to save the day. <laughs> you mean Jaina doesn't normally show up to save ours? <laughs> um, I mean, like, from your experiences in-game, you might think otherwise. <laughs> Especially if you do like battle for the Undercity and stuff. But um it's not something you do in a role playing situation. Oh. Oh. Named characters are pretty much off limits in role playing situations. And including them is often seen as pulling a Deus Ex Machina. Or it's just a different Yeah. Um what is one reason that you might include this a couple of reasons you might include this because i actually have a couple um i stumped you i stumped you you don't have well, any i'm answer. trying not to use the ones that you wrote down oh you can use the ones i wrote down that's fine okay foreshadowing oh no 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 that's how to avoid deus ex machina oh i mean you could maybe use it as that too um why you would use it yeah yeah like why would i pull a deus ex machina in my game if there's literally no other way and your character and your um and the your players have done pretty much everything from a to z to muck up your game and they still need to be back in stormwind because they've got a wedding to go to and it's their own wedding and about 50 other people would be would be um, put off if they couldn't do it, that might be a reason to say, okay, hand wave, everything's fine. Yeah, that was the big reason I was going to use is, um, it's never going to be pleasant to use, but occasionally you might need to use it to save your game. Yeah, it's unpleasant, it's sometimes bloody, and no one feels good doing it, but sometimes yeah. there's no other way. Um, 
I would almost say that Talinia manifesting the ability to teleport people without touching, without going with them, was Deus Ex Machina-ish. That was very um, minor, though, because she was already it, there. She had yes. similar powers. Yeah, um, so. but um, it was ish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was used in order to uh, try to save the situation a little bit, mm-hmm. especially because that situation had started to devolve into some drama. Yeah. Um, so we were trying to save that. Um use it in situations where exactly what the definition is use it in situations where you've run your game into a corner and there isn't really a way out except by doing this and that really should be it is except by doing this if you can do anything other than this do do that (laughs) no matter how cheesy yeah so, with that in mind, how do we avoid getting into situations where we use Deus Ex Machina? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I can I answer? Can I answer? Yes, yes, go ahead, Gwen. Expect everything to go wrong from A to Z and plan accordingly. Yes, be flexible. Be flexible. Be E flexible. <laughs> I can't do the rest of the chair. Flexible's just not gonna work for that. <laughs> You totally could if you tried. You just have to believe I'm, in yourself, Lexi. I've already named an, I've already named an episode after that chair. We don't need to do it again. Um, but yeah, be flexible with your characters um, and things like that. Um, this might be a tip to apply more to writing, but it's also a tip when you're creating a adventure. If you're a dungeon master... And you have a really cool uh, scene planned out for the end game. And you know that one of your characters, you're going to give your character a new ability or something to save the day. Foreshadow that. Um, Either show that character using the ability earlier, or if you're just giving the power, show other people using that power earlier. So that at the end, it's not a, oh man, that came out of nowhere. It's a, wow, I never would have seen that coming, but I should have because of this, 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 and this. <laughs> and that's the importance of foreshadowing. And then, uh, what's the next thing on our list, Gwen? Don't ra- write plots where NPCs save the day or have to save the day. Yes. Whose job is that? Um, Mine? It's your job to save yeah, the day? Yeah, I have to save the day. I'm the hero of the story, right? Did Did you write an application for that job? Who writes applications to be a hero? Um, anyone that wants to be hired? You don't be hired to be a hero. You just go and do it. Oh, are there like letters of uh, introductions and things like that required? Can you really imagine Batman having a letter of introduction? <laughs> yes, I bet the... <laughs> The hilarious that he swoops out of the sky. I'm Batman. Here's my letter of introduction before I punch you in the face. Complete with little business cards. <laughs> that would be amazing. But no, it is a character's job to save there's, the day. There's a short story there where superheroes have to hand out their business cards before engaging supervillains. 
I need, why is this not part of my life, Lexi? I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, there there needs to be one. I need oh, to write one. Yeah, you do. Where they're like super, like they're part of a super bureaucracy or something. And in order not to get sued by the supervillain, they have to hand out their business cards. So, Lexi, anything else we should ta- be talking about God Boogies? Um, they are delicious and provide you lots of luck. <laughs> oh, um, but no, I think we totally finished it out here, uh, with your thought about not writing plots where NPCs save the day. Um, except maybe on super rare occasions, like, I could probably come up with an example where that would be appropriate, but it's not the norm. So, probably stay away from it. Um, and that, Gwen, about wraps up our show, and look at our time! This whole two-segment thing is exactly where we need to be. Yay! Um, yeah, so this has been our show. We're all super scatterbrained, I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Um, have you done anything with our no. website? No. I think maybe I think I'm calling gonna, it off. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we'll stop advertising that. Yeah. Uh, I, and I actually. think maybe we'll stop advertising IC interviews, too. Yeah. Because things like that so i think maybe at this point we're just going to say uh thank you for listening we hope you have a great week in world of warcraft and wish you the best of luck in all of your roleplay and say bye gwen bye gwen